I'm James Law Jr. This is Book Circle Online. We're going to talk to someone who's lived in another country and helped her redefine her thoughts about the American dream and global citizenship. Next. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Hello and welcome. I'm so glad you could join me today here on Book Circle Online. I am your host, James Law Jr. You can follow me on all social media platforms, the interwebs, the world, at James Law Jr. My guest, her resume is as impressive as her book. My guest has practiced employment discrimination law. She was named one of the top 20 young attorneys in the U.S. by the American Bar Association. I mean, that's in the whole U.S. She was the founder and CEO of the Culture Strategy firm Universal Consensus LLC. I mean, you have, I mean your credits is going on and on, and on. She's an entrepreneur. She's a she's written this great book that I read. It was so much fun to read. Uh, her family traded life in New York City. You know, it's my I love that city. But she traded her life in New York City to live in Italy. Could you do that? We're going to talk about how she did that, what it means to her, how it affected her, and her thoughts in the larger picture. That book is called Speak Milk, Drink Wine, Becoming a Global Citizen. My guest is Denise Parati Hummel. How are you? I'm great. So great to be here. Yeah, it's good to see you. This book was so much fun. You guys, this is a fun book to read. Um, it's easy to read too. And I want to actually want to read before we get into it. Is one passage you open a book with. It's your author's note that I really enjoyed. It's titled "A Few Things That Matter." Life is sacred. Live on purpose. Be intoxicated with the world and astonished with the world you imagine. Growth is a journey. Success doesn't require a rival. What you want, what, excuse me, what, want what you already hold. Give no place to public opinion. Like that. Delight in your friends. Practice the art of doing nothing. My aunt talks about that actually a lot in her life. Embrace moments of grace. Give the child in you wide sky. And understand that laughter is prayer. And that's given to somebody anonymous who uh, says that. There are so many things in that statement that I love so much and try to live my way in my life that also is represented in your book. Great quote. Thanks. I really want to start out with that. Great quote. <laughs> what, what is that? So, that you start, so you open a book with that quote. So what does that quote really mean to you as you now as you've written the book? You know, it's, it's funny because it, it seems like Every time I make a decision that's based on passion, based on hope, based on excitement, and even to some extent, you know, balanced risk, it ends up being a good good decision. And and most decisions that I've made that are based on fear end up not being such great decisions. Yeah. And this was one of those things. Our our life was just not working at the you know at that particular mm-hmm. ju- juncture. We were sort of we'll just say we were in a rut professionally trying to you know climb the ladder and we had our successes certainly but we we felt like we were on this perpetual uh, treadmill and we needed an an, an escape from it and so part of me just said you know if that's what you need right now then you need to reach out and and grab it and 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 we did we rented at our house and and ended up going to Italy with our two boys at the time they were eight and ten years old That's to me, it's, I mean, reading the book, that's brave to me. Because that's, I mean, you have, I've raised children myself, people out there know. I mean, it's, to leave, if you do it for yourself, that's one thing. You know, you do it with a partner, that's one thing. But to have your kids 
who were school age children mm-hmm. to do that. That's, that's so that's so brave. Right. And, you know, you just never know what the outcome is going to be at the time. We were more concerned about one son than the other. He had just been diagnosed with ADD and we didn't know what ramifications that would have the other one was seemed to be skating along and at the end of the day I think if you ask them they'd probably say that they became more agile people more global citizens and um and that it was just an invaluable experience in terms of their own growth they're in college now by the way yeah I know they're, they, 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 turn out, they turn out fine folks they turn out fine they're in college now okay so now the title I love the title so of course can you tell us where it came from I'm kind of thinking, you know, speak milk, drink wine has a very definite meaning. And if you don't mind, I'm going to let your your listeners and and the readers kind of figure that out for themselves. They'll have to read the book to find out the secret sauce. There is a chapter on that. So you want want to read it. And it's it's good. Um, Your chapter titles are hilarious. I was going to just say a few of these chapter titles that really got my attention. It takes a village to raise a child, which I always believe. Here's what I really like. Due to the possibility of diverse cultural norms, it's always best to ask if a turkey has hooves. Can you explain that yeah, a little that, bit? That's for probably people? the most complex title. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it really it stemmed from one particular episode. As you as you probably yeah. know, Thanksgiving doesn't take place in in Italy. It's a it's an American holiday, and I was very hung up on not letting you know not having the kids lose their uh, traditions and what have you. And so we wanted to have a turkey. Well, the Italians really don't eat a lot of turkey. Yeah, and, and when they do, if you go to the grocery store to buy turkey, if they have it, it's these tiny little like pieces of a breast. And so oh, when I went to the butcher and, and said, you know, I need a really big turkey because we were having about six people, maybe more. And he was, he was saying, well, how big? And I said, just get the biggest turkey you possibly oh, yeah. can. Um, not at the, at that point, understanding pounds and kilos and being able to, you know, really explain that clearly. So I passed him a couple of times to remind him because after all, what's Thanksgiving without a turkey if he just happens not to get it in. And he kept on saying, Signora, uh, prendi la macchina, which means bring the car. And I just, I said, (laughs) I I have a wagon. I, I thought he was worried about my back. And every time I passed him, because I passed him another time after that, he was like, Signora, bring the car. And I was, you know, beginning to wonder, you know, was this a live turkey? Did I need a leash of some kind? Um, it ended up that my my then husband and went to to to, to pick up the, the turkey, and he called me on my cell and said, um, I don't think this turkey is going to fit in the oven. And I said, of course it will, you know, with my, my telepathic yes. vision over the cell yes. phone. Long story short, it was, it literally had hooves. Those looked like, the, yeah. it was so big, we jammed it into the oven and basically stood against the oven. And oh my it, God. the sides were singed and it was oh flat, but it was Thanksgiving. And we were and we were grateful. <laughs> yeah, you were thankful, right? You were thankful very, for that. Oh, that's very. so funny. Um, one of them is a great story. One of them is don't take yourself seriously. I feel when I go to other countries to visit, and it's not my first language, that I really have to like kind of have a sense of humor about some stuff because it's kind of you're in another country. You're trying to figure it out. What, what is that meaning for you? Well, I mean, you know, from from I became. Um, fluent linguistically okay but being fluent linguistically and being fluent culturally is two are two, di- two different things yes. and 
Um, if, if we're not able to laugh at ourselves, we're, we're in big trouble. When it comes to assimilating into another country, one of the principal lessons we learned is flexibility is the name of the game. And I, I recall one time uh, I was trying to get my child into another um, school because there was only one fourth grade class and the teacher's um, sole tool, it seemed to be, was yelling to get the class under uh, okay. control. And I knew that wasn't going to work for my, my oldest son. And so I went to another uh, school and spoke to the direttore of the school. <laughs> and I said, um, uh, how did I say this? I said, um, I, there's just so much noise in that classroom. And in Italian, I said, è veramente un casino. Um, and he looked at me as if I had three heads, and I said, did I say something wrong? And he said in Italian, well, signora, you see, in the in the South, the word casino does in fact mean, you know, confusion, but in the North where we are, it means uh, the, the, the confusion of the brothel. Oh, you know, at which point I said, oh, Madonna, and he said, no, signora, we don't say that either. <laughs> <laughs> so... If I was unable to laugh at my son, here I am, I fancied right. myself, you know, very yeah. sophisticated right. that I had learned Italian fluently, but I was not culturally fluent. And so the, the laughter is, is really a necessary element of, of being included and, and, and feeling included wherever you go. That is such a, a, a smart lesson, period, just that because colloquialisms and, and there's slang and there's different, I mean, different parts of different countries have different things. Even in America, we have different sayings, different things, and one word could mean several different meanings. That's right. That's right. So that's really, that's really interesting. And you're, you're there thinking, I can speak Italian. I'm speaking it. I'm speaking it. Um, another one was, play soccer and a foreign language will be at your feet. Sports. Another one of those lessons with the kids in particular, uh, their ability to... Um, traverse the boundary of language because initially they didn't speak one word of, right. of Italian. Was you know that that sort of rite of passage was granted through sports. I, I remember that uh, that one of my sons came back and he was asking me, "What does vai 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 mean?" And I said, "It means go go go, just go play." <laughs> and they they you know they just were able to communicate. Um, through through sports, of course, through paralacci, which is the, those bad words, you oh, know, the, yeah, the, the yeah. curse words and, and yes. sports. We know those, of course. Yes, yeah, seem, course. seem to be the two yes. ways that kids uh, tend to assimilate. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and, and of course, as adults, it's more complicated, right? Because just, and, and, and a lot of the book is a metaphor for what I do in business, which is that in terms of the, the, the business journey of diversity and inclusion, the inclusion part of that is that we we have to, as adults, have this balance between um, fitting in and standing out. In other words, we want to always bring the essence of who we are mm -hmm. to everything we do, yeah. including the workplace. Yes. And, and oddly enough, what I learned primarily through the kids is that the fitting in part is actually natural. It's the, it's the learning to stand out part that um, can can actually be unlearned if you don't have sort of an inclusive um, atmosphere. Did you stand out anyway because you were Americans? Did you stand out on very, some level? Very much so. I mean, yeah. you, you know, you, even though uh, we were speaking Italian yeah, yeah, at a yeah. certain point, of course, we we have that yeah. little bit of American accent. It's it's the way we hold ourselves. <coughs> Americans, to, you know, we're taught to be bigger than life, mm -hmm. uh, which can be perceived as as arrogant, yes. um, and that's so. I think. 
it's interesting because we we sort of had the influence on the Italians around us. Oh, interesting. That we as Americans were maybe not the classic Americans that they have seen oh, on TV yeah. or in politics. I think the people in our neighborhood really learned also to judge people by who they are as human beings as opposed to where they came from. And I think likewise, we felt an obligation to behave kind of as, as yeah. ambassadors of, of, oh, of yeah. America so that people could see yeah. the best of who we are as a nation. That, okay, that's, okay, that's an interesting point I kind of want to talk about a little bit. That's interesting because you're coming there representing, like any kind of, my, you were a minority group for, mm-hmm. I mean, let was to say that you were, that you came there, you want to kind of, Represent your group well, but you also want to fit in, and you also want to. So you want to keep part of who you are and bring it to them. Exactly. So and, how, and you know, it's 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 the same pressure that I I feel as as a woman. Let's say. Oh yes. Okay. Know, yes. In in business, in the sense that I want to be uh, one of the boys, so to speak, because mm-hmm. boy, the the men are traditionally um, in high leadership positions. Yes. On the other hand, I don't want to lose the essence of who I am. So, for example, let's say um, empathy, for example, is traditionally associated with women. The fact that I'm an empathetic leader and an inclusive leader actually is very important to who I am as a human being. So, And the farther up you get into leadership, the more that nuance is really difficult to maintain because you have to reach out to your male counterparts, but not in a way that gives up your power. So yes. it, it becomes a little bit more complicated than some of the yeah. lessons we learned in Italy. Yeah. Well, it's the thing is that, that being a being someone who's not part of the majority can happen in so many different ways. Your book, you know, basically talks about that. In particular, it's like we think we largely think about minorities in terms of sometimes color or gender, but like this, we're talking about na- national. It's like you weren't, you know, Italian. Na- you weren't nationally Italian. Mm-hmm. Exactly. exactly. Even if you have, even if you have Italian in you, you're not. You're not from here. Right. Right. And 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 everything about us is yeah. is different. Not better or worse. Right. It's just different. Right. And the Italians would be the first ones to say that about uh, about them. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of um, uh, Americans uh, in business, for example, look at the Italians and say, you know, they're they're not achieving what they could be achieving. They're not going at the pace that we're going. They're taking too much vacation. Mm-hmm. I, I learned a little bit about the flip side, which is that the the slower pace, you, you probably know that mm-hmm. the Italians take time off in the mm-hmm. middle of the day to mm-hmm. to have lunch. Sometimes, you know, in fact, often right. uh, the kids will come home from school, the spouses will come home from their mm-hmm. works, and they have what's called the pausa, which mm-hmm. literally translates to be pause, yeah. the word pause. pause. And I have to say, initially, I was so, I was infuriated. Because oh, I, I couldn't get anything done. I couldn't go to the dry cleaner. I couldn't go to the bank. I couldn't do anything. I had to. I, I tried at, at one point. I tried to organize like doing the laundry at during the pausa so that I wouldn't waste any time. And then ultimately, I started easing into it and realizing, wow, there's a reason for this. This pause actually creates reconnection, rejuvenation, and it began to have great meaning to me. So another one of the lessons that we learned is that. You know, for every one set of facts, there are a myriad of ways to look at that one set of facts. And sometimes it can be to your benefit. Yeah. You know, in this case, productivity was not necessarily, you know, the, the, me- goal. the goal or, or, or even meaningful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, now that you've done this experience and you've written a book and everything, that your, that your family as a whole 
it's closer than it would have been if you stayed in New York? I think, you know, it's, it's so interesting because one, we, we went for several reasons. We went because we didn't want the kids to grow up as Americans that were not exposed, that might have blinders on and think of themselves mm-hmm. as the center of the universe. That was very important, having them learn another language yeah. before the age of 10. All of that was yeah. very important. Us getting off the treadmill and asking ourselves some serious questions about our careers and what we wanted with our lives. And also, um, just based on a certain degree of unhappiness, um, my my then husband and I uh, weren't happy and we're also hoping for some sort of salvation with that too. And it didn't end up that way. We we ended up splitting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But in terms of the, the, the kids, yeah. I think the closeness is kind of derived by the other side of loss. You know how they say with everything you gain, you mm-hmm. lose. So with the fact that they, what, what they lost, I think, is that they're, they're, may, they might never truly be completely American because they've had this experience for okay. one year that turned into three, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the flip side of that, of course, is that they're global citizens. So their, their home is, is wherever, we, wherever we are, wherever their dad is, wherever I yeah. am, wherever, wherever they are, actually, mm-hmm. not even necessarily where he mm-hmm. and I are. Yeah. Um, and, and that is a gift in a sense because it means that you can adapt to almost any environment that you're in, whether that's business yeah. or personal or whatever. I always tell people this um, with kids. My kid can't travel. My kid's a mess. I'm like, if you start them young sometimes, I mean, my daughter, Monica, completely from a young age, I could strap her on. We went anywhere. Then she did a lot of trips when we were young, you know, the Panama Canal and cruises. And mm-hmm. so as an adult now, she's a grown woman now. They grow up, so all of a sudden they just grow up. How's that happen? They tend to do that. No one told me that when it happened in the beginning. I know. What's going on? Um, and I, I noticed that she's well-rounded in so many ways mm-hmm. with her diversity of friends, being able to stay somewhere. I, I saw that our influence of that early travel. Right. Because, well, well think, about, think about it. You, you, you learn to accept and tolerate things that you might not normally right you learn that um a diverse set of opinions could actually benefit you rather than hurt you 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 know it's funny sometimes i think about the ramifications actually for i don't mean to to wax poetic but world peace in the sense that it's it's really hard to you know to kill people or hurt people that you know and and at least understand you might not even like them necessarily or agree with their way of doing things. But if you sort of understand where they're coming from, that that connection makes it really harder to to, to have some of the ugly things I happening. Agree that, with that completely. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I, you say you're speaking like I because that's the thing, it's like sometimes we're so busy. I was called the Pain Olympics. We're busy as the Olympics are going on right now. But we're so busy saying that ours is the gold and yours is the silver, the bronze. Right. right. Like, well, they're all kind of gold. I mean, if you want to do a little, they're all the same, just that they're relative to whoever it's going through. Right. Well, it's that it's it's that that knowledge, that awareness yeah. that the things that are different are not better or worse. They're just mm-hmm. different. And if you think about it, in every aspect of your life, if we were able to do that with the average person we meet on the street, with with uh you know, in, in our business environment mm-hmm. and keep ourselves open to the fact that something that's different might benefit us or the world or the workplace in some way. That that just that innate curiosity alone expands us. It makes us better human beings and better at what we do. 
I agree. Okay, so one of the things that you talk about and what you, you, you kind of gleaned from this experience was that it started to alter your way looking at the global picture. Right. right. You always say, you know, act locally, think globally. But, like, right. you really, you, well, you did that, literally. And then you said it started to expand. How did it, how did it help you, living in Italy for that those three years, how did it help you look at America a different way? Well, okay, so... <laughs> it's, it's interesting because uh, you know how they say when the student is ready the teacher appears mm-hmm. I had been an attorney for a long period yes, of time yeah, I yes. was practicing employment law practicing international mergers and acquisitions and I would see how deals would fall apart you know, at the negotiation table, not based on how, you know, the acumen of the professionals at the table, the ability of those individuals, but based on their failure to understand mm. their, 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 their counterpart, yeah. you know, what motivated them, what, uh, what they might be interested in, what points they might want to negotiate and not because of that failure to under, understand, yeah. often those deals would fall apart. So I don't, I, it's, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, Americans out or Americans in, in the sure. sense of um, those differences. It's more, the, so for example, the, I ended up developing a business model um, around cross-cultural optimization. I like that. Because what I found was that there were patterns, and it almost didn't matter which culture you were in, those six factors, what I, you know, call them yeah. comprehension lenses in the fancy, okay. you know, business terminology, yeah. but those buckets of information had to be examined in order to be successful mm. when when operating across cultures. Yeah. So they they might roll out differently, let's say in India than China than mm. than in the States than in Italy, but they were all factors that had to be considered. Yeah, because I always feel when I deal with somebody from another culture, they they they, they come to business a certain way. We should at least know what how they're coming to it. Exactly. To be able to effectively negotiate whatever it is we're negotiating. And, that, and you hit the nail on the head because at the end of the day, so you might say, um, w- which which way should you adapt? And that's not really the no. point. The point is, what is the business objective? And whatever's going to get you to, to where you want to yes. go, that's that's the outcome, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when, when, when Obama was criticized for like, for the wrong angle of bowing, oh, if yeah. you remember, yes, I yeah. believe he was on Japanese soil yes, with the exactly. emperor. Yeah. And, you know, the issue was not, did he have the correct angle? The issue is, what message was he trying to send about being a global citizen, and did he achieve that, which, you know, arguably he did. Yeah, I agree with that. But it's also on a small level, I think it's a great thing to to know who, well, know your audience, know how they're coming to you in any situation, so that you can effectively handle, treat, whatever the situation is, the issue, the, the problem, the business, Effectively. That's right. That's right. And positively. Right. Right. At the same time. And I think it's saying this book and saying you going over to Italy and having to kind of navigate your way through, you're learning all the different pitfalls and things that happen. And you said your own kind of sometimes shortcomings. Like, oh, I'm holding on to this idea so tightly. Right. You're being forced to let it go. Right. Well, actually not being forced. You're learning to let it go. Right. And, and, and I think also by, when you're in a new culture, you're off balance. Yeah. And... In order to figure out how to get that equilibrium back, you have to examine who you are. So, for yeah. me, for example, in the American with the American school system, it's a very open system. You work collaboratively with the mm-hmm. teachers. You know, not so really in Italy. Oh, okay. You know, the domain for the parent is home. The domain for a school is the teacher, and 
that you know the twain shall meet, right? Yeah, basically, and, you know, more more or less. And I tried to approach that with my American version. Well, here's what's working, and here's what's right. not working, and ultimately could could sense and feel that I was off balance, mm-hmm. and so had to examine my way of interacting if I wanted to, in this case, fit in, which was more important yeah. in a sense than standing out. I had to assess that and sort of find my balance. So by being off balance, I actually gained that insight wow. in return. Now, you're a strong woman. So how was this for you as just a person? You get to Italy, you're here, you're coming up against a few things, or just natural things you come up against in a different country. How did it affect you psychologically? How did you get yourself centered to like be open to the universe to it, do this? You know, it's a great <laughs> question. I It was very difficult to, to, to be out of control. And yes. a lot of what we gained, um, everyone, but especially me, since I <laughs> like to be in control, I'm a little well, bit... Well, you're a lawyer, an entrepreneur, <laughs> you're, a, yes, you're a business person. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, that, that sense, sometimes, you know, I, at, one, at one point in the book, I just say, you know, the, the, when you... When you have no options, there's no stress, right? Yes, that's one of the titles. Right, yes. that's one of the, the titles. titles. Because mm-hmm. you just, you, with all your options gone, you have to go with the flow in one shape or form. I think it's that middle ground of, I think I could have control if I did something different. But as yeah. soon as you know you don't, mm-hmm. that the stress kind of goes. Because you have to say, um, this is not my ball game. This is someone mm-hmm. else's um, game someone else's agenda, and I need to figure out how to to go with it. Well, it's funny you say that. I um, there's two things like you're mentioning here. One thing is, as I'm a life, I'm a life coach, certified life coach, and one of the things that my mentor taught me was that I'm off the hook when it comes to my clients. It's their work. I'm like I'm here to help so them true. out, so and true. that was freeing. So mm-hmm. what you're saying, like I told you, know what you mean now. It's it's so freeing that it's not my stress that's happening. Right. It's their stuff. You know, you're, you're basically uh, setting forth the whole parameter of, of inclusive leadership because you think that when you are a leader that you need to be strong and you need to direct. But the real learning is when the individual that you're leading actually comes to his or her yes. own conclusions. Yes. yes. And then you can be there to reinforce, to help. But that's where the meaningful learning takes place. And when you are kind of a control freak or you like being a teacher, you like helping and what have you, it's tempting to sort of take over, but you're actually disenfranchising that individual's power. I agree. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And when I first did the class, I went to school for it. It was hard at first. Like <laughs> say, well, but I, stop that, James. I know what, what do you know? Like this not, right. it's not about that. Right. It's about their miracle. Their realization. Yeah. I love you. You're good. You're so good. <laughs> right, you're so good. Um, okay, one of the things, it's a, fun, it's a funny chapter. Italian women don't get fat. <laughs> I, I, oh, that pasta. It's not fair. It's just not fair. I, I, would, I would walk, I've actually lost weight since then. But, uh, you know, I, I, I walked around, you know, as a size 14 and I, I couldn't even find a pair of pants. And I, I, I you know, my heritage is Italian. So yeah. you, but I still had the image of, you know, the Sicilian grandmother oh, with the dark outfit and the, you know, really chubby. <laughs> well, of course, I was right outside um, Milano in, oh, okay. in, in, oh, okay. in the Lake District yeah. in, in Varese. And these women were just <laughs> always thin, always beautiful. Yes. Every oh, all yeah. the apparel, everything yeah. matches, you know, perfectly. Um, but but still eating pasta. The the 
The difference, there, there are a couple of differences. One is that it's semolina, the semolina pasta simply has more protein. Okay. But the other is that their portions are just small. And mm. that the food is fresh and good oh, and yeah. it tastes like food. Yeah. So you're satiated with a smaller amount. And the, the Italians, you know, eat they, you know, of course, it's a pleasurable experience, but they're eating for other reasons than yeah. we eat. I'll yeah. never forget um, my friend uh, Jean Piero said to me, he looked in, at me and he said in Italian, Oh, Denise, you have such a beautiful face. Uh, if only you did more sport. Oh and I, I looked at him and I and I'm said, did he really say that? <laughs> and and the reason he did was because it was just a fact. He was yeah. just a friend saying to another friend yeah. that... You know, you would benefit from this. There isn't that emo- same emotional yeah. charge, yeah. and I think that that emotional charge is probably why we eat too much. In, you know, in the states, I'm not trying to simplify no, the no, whole know, issue of obesity, no. but it sure is aggravating <laughs> that they can eat oh, so God. well and not be fat. Well, it was a funny chapter, but you, you wrote you really vividly wrote about that. It was mm-hmm. kind of it was made me chuckle a few times. And now you tell me the story like it is now. I'm like it's kind of funny. I mean, other there's other countries that they they do that. They eat all this rice and stuff. And we're all nervous, but the thing is, you're right. A lot of stuff is actually fresh. It is farm to table, mm-hmm. even more so than us in America. We can look for it now here, but you actually you're there. They, they do it exactly, exactly. And food tastes different when it's fresh. <laughs> I have a garden in my house. I love my fresh my fresh vegetables. Um, so, did you know you were going to write a book when you went there, or did it come to you later that you were thinking, I'm going to write a book on my experience? You know, it, it, I didn't know when I went, okay. but within a few months, with all these different stories, I said, this yeah. has to be yeah. written down. So I, so, I decided to keep a journal, and after I had kept a journal for a couple of months, I said, this is everything from hilarious to poignant to... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my kids came there without speaking a word of Italian, had tears like you can't imagine, hours to do homework that would only take 20 minutes, and they ended up, you know, with the two top uh, awards um, in the the school at the end. You know, that is enough to make you cry. And then you have so many things that happened that that made us laugh. Yes. I mean, I don't know if you you, you read the, the, the part about getting our dog there. Uh, yes, that was a weird thing. And, and people would say, I, I would say, what are the rules to get the do- dog there? And they would say, you have to have the um, certificato di saluto, something, you know, the health certificate. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, how do we do that? Well, um, if your dog is healthy, well, how do we demonstrate that? Right. If your dog is not sick, and we would just kind of go in circles, <laughs> yes. you know. So happy, sad, all these extreme yeah. emotions that come with this kind of a transition. Yeah. Um, I just had to write about it. And imagine all the all the people that get moved around the uh, world yeah. for their job. You know, yeah. not everyone wants no, to go. No, I know. We well, I know. wanted to yeah. go. Yeah. So just imagine, uh, you know, a, a, a mom and dad taking their kids, you know, to Japan because their job requires them to move to Japan. Yeah. They're experiencing all these yeah. same things. And at the end of the day, it was the most valuable experience of our lives. So it just wow. seemed like it had to be shared. Yeah. I mean, this book, I mean, to me, you could insert country here, insert place here, and probably slight different stuff, but it's completely, I could see it being universal. It would have to be a different accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Different yeah. accent, yes. different food different in some foods. cases. Yeah. yeah. But it's very universal in tone. Yeah. I and in so. meaning. I, I, really, I do believe that very I much. I think so. Uh, in that one. Um, and this is one that I, I totally I agree with. In any culture, body language is louder than words. Oh boy, body language isn't isn't that the truth? That's so true. And I've gone to the country. It's so it's so true. Well, I, it's it, one of the things that we teach in terms of uh, just 
global mindedness is actually not to use any uh, physical gestures, et cetera, because some of them are actually very yes. vulgar in other yes. cultures. Italy um, has more, I mean, you could go like this and it would mean one thing and twist it the other way and it would mean something else and go like this and it means something else. There's a, a book, actually, I don't remember oh. the title of it, that that has, I don't know, something like 2,000 physical oh gestures and expressions. So we generally advise not to use yes. use anything. But yeah. the, the, the body language, sure, expresses everything, how closed off you are yeah. and just just what you're you're saying to the other yeah. person with so you're yourself. you're back you're back you're in the u.s i mean back for a while but let's mm-hmm. say you're just you're back in the u.s yep. how much better of a person has it made you well my sort of my type a personality <laughs> it came we'll just say got re- resurrected a little bit by okay. the american pace of life and part of that is just me yeah. that i get excited about life and so i end up yeah. you know doing things at a kind of a quick pace but I would say what never faded um, is the ability to see things from multiple different points of view. I, uh, you know, other people will say things like, do you believe this guy? And I would say something like, well, you know, he has certain limitations. Or I would say he may be looking at it from another vantage point. Uh, and sometimes that annoys people, by the way. I know. But... I know that annoys people nowadays. <laughs> but I'm like you. I do the same way. But I, I know people annoys people. Yes. But but that ability to sort of see things 360, mm-hmm. I think, has made me better at most things. Better at, at what I do for a living. Uh, better, mm-hmm. better, a better mom, a better, um, a better partner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you feel more centered in general? I do. I do. And it's interesting. When I went there, I think I had sort of a a false sense of security, Mm. kind of what the Italians might call, you know, American arrogance that is not necessarily arrogance. It's just we're taught we're we're taught to present ourselves a certain (laughs) way. But now it's just sort of more of a, a more authentic centeredness, you know, that I'm okay the way I am, that I make a contribution to society, to the workplace. Um, I don't have to be the best as long as I feel that the ethos, the integrity is there and that I'm making a difference in some way. Wow, I like that. Could you do it again now? You know, I think I could. I, I, I am actually thinking that I could be one of those, you know, 60, 70-year-olds, you know, who spend some time in the Peace Corps or, okay. you know. Yeah. I I don't think my journey is is over over. I like that. Yeah, and and honestly, to do it with kids is way harder. Than, yes, you know they're now you know kind of sort of on their own, yeah. and so yeah, I think it's possible. I'm really curious to see their development too as they go on, as they, as as they become longer adults, and and how this experience affects them. So am I. Very it's, much it's, so. It's been very interesting to see what, what happens so. with them because we know how it's affected you because you were the adult, right? But with the kids, I'm really curious to see they choose as partners how they do business everything they decide to do right and how they deal with all the ups and downs of life of which we know there are many yes oh there's a few right (laughs) oh my god i can talk to you forever denise i can talk to you for years you're so great thank you You maybe a type a person but you're really nice she's really nice (laughs) the book is called speak milk drink wine coming global citizen it is out you can get it anywhere it's on amazon it's everywhere isn't it amazon is really the best way to get get it it. it's just so easy Get it. I'm going to have her sign my book, too. <laughs> but make sure you get it. It's a great book. It's a fun read. If you're thinking about doing this yourself, 
there's some good, a good example of what could possibly go down and give you some tips in there too. It's good. It's very, very good. Denise, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. And this is Book Circle Online. I'm James Lyle Jr. You can follow us on BookCircleOnline.com, BookCircleOn on Twitter. Yeah, BookCircleOn. Um, and, of course, we're on YouTube and iTunes. Thank you very much, and I'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. From managing editor Jason Squamata, executive producers Maria Menunos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to BookCircleOnline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO, join the circle.